0: Welcome, it is a joy to join with you in worship today. My name is Reverend Dawn Douglas Flowers and I serve at Parkway Hills United Methodist Church in Madison, Mississippi. Over these next summer months, we will be looking at some family favorite movies and thinking about what they tell us about our story of faith and the story of our God. We would love to know who is worshiping alongside us. Feel free to reach out to us, send us an email, ask us any questions you may have, or simply let us know how we may be church for you. And if you're in the Madison area, we would love for you to join us on our campus any Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I look forward to spending the summer at the movies with you. But now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God.
1: Good morning and welcome to Parkway Hills. Our call to worship this morning is a chorus that is set to a very familiar tune, but the words are a little different in the verse. I'm going to ask you to stand together as we sing through this chorus twice. Please stand.
2: they'll know we are Christians by
1: remain standing and joining with me in reciting our opening prayer good and gracious God you promised to pour out your spirit upon us you are the hope of the world give us strength that we might serve you make us humble that we might live for your glory alone in the name of Jesus we pray amen
3: Thank
0: I want you to keep your hymnal out and turn to page 785 for me. You'll find um, Psalm 51 so that we may read this psalm together responsively. 785. Let us say these words together, and your response is in the bold. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done that which is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Make me hear with joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, O God and put a new and right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Deliver me from death, O God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. For you have no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased.
4: I'd like to invite all the children to join me at the front. I'm so glad to see so many of you out on this rainy morning. Everybody OK? Okay. Good. All right, I want to ask some. I want to ask you some questions this morning. Ready for some questions? What is a rule?
3: What's a rule?
4: Okay, okay. Um, Emma? Okay, all right. Anybody else? All right, somebody give me an example of a rule that you have to follow.
3: Um, I have to follow a rule.
4: What's that? I have to follow a rule. I have to follow my dad. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. You can't go into any stranger's
3: house if you're not invited.
4: Okay, there's a good rule. There's a good rule. And um, uh, why do we have rules? Why? Uh To keep you safe. To keep us safe. Exactly. So we obey the rules to keep us safe, right? Okay. Let me ask you another question. This one's a little bit harder. If you break a rule, will your parents still love you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, if you break a rule, what would you say to your parent? Sorry. 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 And you, you, would, you would say you were sorry, and you try not to do it again, right? Okay. Will your parent forgive you? Absolutely. They will say, I still love you, even though you broke a rule. I know you're sorry, and I know you will try not to break that rule again. All right, another question. Does God give us rules? Yes. Yes, he does. God gives us rules. Where can we find... That's right, that's right. And where could we find some of God's rules? The Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments? Where would we find those Ten Commandments? In the Bible. Bible. This is my Bible. That's right. And our parents can teach us some of God's rules, and Reverend Don and others at church can teach us God's rules. One rule that... um, I think about that comes from the Bible is be kind one to another be kind to each other be kind that's one of God's rules I remember when I was a little girl I was mean to my sister I wasn't kind like the Bible said to be I broke God's rule but does God still love me even though I broke the rule yes He loved me anyway, and because he loved me, I said, I'm sorry, I was not kind to my sister, and I will try my best to be kind to her. God always loves us no matter what. And you know what? My sister loved me too. She forgave me too. She still loved me. It made me so happy to know that God loves me and will always love me. God loves you and will always love you. Now, right before you came down here, we heard Reverend Don and everyone in the church reading from Psalm 51 from the Bible. Now, this is a version of Psalm 51 from this book, Psalms for Young Children. This one's a little bit of a shorter version than the one that we read out loud a few minutes ago but it means the same thing.
3: But I know it's true.
4: It's true, you're right.
3: Hey, God is on a flower. Oh, look
4: look at that, yeah. When I do something wrong, forgive me, God. I want to feel like I've just been washed in clean water. I want to be like brand new snow. I feel so happy when you forgive me. So when God forgives us, that makes us very happy. Let's pray together. Everybody ready to pray together? God, thank you for forgiving us when we do something wrong thank you God for always loving us amen okay children uh, ages 3 through kindergarten can go with the Huff upstairs
5: screw up believing There's never been a better time to be honest there's never been a better time to get clean so come as you are run to the cross and be free separated. No matter where you run, he's always holding on. You're still a daughter, you're still a son, no matter what. I don't know go of you you'll never let
0: noticed something um, this past week that I have never noticed before, and I probably would not have noticed it had we not been going through this series on forgiveness. Did you know that July 7th is World Forgiveness Day? I did not, did not know that it was a thing, but apparently it happens every year. I saw some social media posts about it, so I followed the hashtag, I Googled it just to see what was up, and World Forgiveness Day began in 1994, and it is a day every year dedicated to forgive people. But here's the interesting part to me. The more I read about it, the more posts and quotes I saw about it, I realized something. The majority of the message about forgiveness for that day is this. Um, I need to forgive because it isn't healthy for me to hang on to hate and bitterness and anger. Um, Here's one person's comment I saw, and I'm sure this will resonate with all of us. It took me a long time to understand what it means to forgive someone. I always wondered how I could forgive someone who chose to hurt me. But after a lot of soul searching, I realized that forgiveness is not about accepting or excusing behavior; it's about letting it go and preventing their behavior from destroying my heart. Now we we can all say we agree with that, right? I mean, that makes sense to us. There's so much truth in that statement. And to be honest, this really was kind of how I was initially approaching this series. Forgiveness is something that I do, that I practice, one, because my faith in Jesus Christ tells me to, and also because it is a healthier and more whole way to live. But as I said last week, as this series began, the more I read Scripture, the more stories I came across, the more commentaries I I kind of shifted. I realized that our Christian understanding of forgiveness, well, it's a little different. It has a different starting point than what we kind of hear focused on around us. So pervading culture has kind of twisted forgiveness a little bit to make it all about me. I need to forgive you because it will be better for me to do so. Sadly, we tend to do this with most things, don't we? Shift things to make them more about us, Um, like somehow we are never the ones that are in need of receiving forgiveness. And what I thought about um, in light of our story of faith is that this version of forgiveness, this focus on forgiveness, I need to forgive so that I can let go and move on, it's not wrong. There's so much truth in it. But it loses the transformative power found within the story of Jesus Christ of receiving forgiveness. It, it kind of takes out the power of grace for us. So holding all of this, um, I was reminded of a parable in Luke. It's about two people who come to the temple to pray, but they come and they offer prayers in very different ways. Um, It's found in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Pour out upon us your spirit, O God, that we might hear your word, so that your wisdom will draw us closer to you. Through Christ, the living word, we pray. Amen. So Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, "'and the other a tax collector. "'The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, "'God, I thank you that I am not like other people, "'thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. "'I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income, "'but the tax collector, standing far off, "'would not even look up to heaven.' but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the Pharisee, in our story, to me, could be making the quote we heard, maybe twist it around a little. Um, I always wondered how I could forgive someone who chose to hurt me. I realize that forgiveness is not about accepting or excusing their behavior. It's about letting go and preventing their behavior from destroying my heart. Thank you that I'm not like other people. Those people who hurt others and can't forgive. I forgive. Now, I know there's nothing, like I said, wrong with that statement. It holds so much truth. But think about that line from the Lord's Prayer that we say every week and how it begins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It starts with us. Forgive us. Let us experience forgiveness so that we may be a people who forgive. So here's this Pharisee, a religious leader. His very life is about doing all the right things so that he may live into his faith in the best possible way. He's doing everything he knows to do. But the Pharisee offers no, forgive us. There's no attempt to examine his own life other than the fact that he is not like those other people. Then there's this tax collector who can't even look up to heaven because he is so low and he simply says, God, be merciful. I am a sinner. We're told that transformation happens for one of the men. The other, well, there doesn't even appear to be an opening for growth. To me, what this parable does is that it reminds us of the important role of confession in the Christian practice of forgiveness. It isn't just, let me forgive people so I can move on. It's about the transformative power of grace present as we practice confession and as we receive forgiveness. That's what stuck out to me in our movie for this week, The Railway Man. Now, for those of you who were not able to join us last night, um, The Railway Man, it's based on a true story. You can find it on Amazon Prime if you would like to watch it, but it's about the trauma of war and the deep emotional scars that one carries. The main character is a British Army officer, Eric Lomax. He was tortured as a prisoner of war at a Japanese labor camp during World War II he discovers much later in life that the man responsible for much of his torture is still alive. The movie does a great job of kind of holding that tension that we named last week with forgiveness, um, holding justice and mercy, wanting people to be held accountable, but struggling with what that means and how that looks. The most powerful part of the movie, to me, is the end because the closing story, sh- Closing scenes show us the power of confession and forgiveness. Now, Lomax does track down the Japanese officer, Nagasi. He tracks him down, and he is determined to make him pay, to make him experience the pain that he had. He questions him. He holds Nagasi in a cage, the same cage that he had been locked in himself, He attempts to hurt him, but he doesn't. They talk on and off as Nagasi sits in the cage. Nagasi says, I did not expect you to be alive. Lomax keeps asking the Japanese officer, how are you alive? How are you able to be free now? You're a war criminal. And then in this powerful exchange, Nagasi tells Lomax, Maybe we both lived for this day. Lomax eventually lets him go, lets him out of the cage, and Lomax returns home, but nothing really feels resolved at this point in the movie. There's just this meeting and an ending, but then Lomax receives a letter from Nagasi. Dear Mr. Lomax, I was a member of the Japanese Imperial Army. We treated you and your countrymen very, very badly. It's a long time since the war ended, but for me, it's a time of suffering. The dagger of our meeting thrusts deep in my heart. I never forgot you. So, spoil alert, the final scene is the two meeting, where Nagasi, much like the man in our parable, can't even raise his eyes to look at Lomax. Nagasi says, I'm sorry. I don't want to live that day anymore. And Lomax says, Me either. Then he hands Nagasi a letter. Dear Mr. Nagasi, it says, The war has been over for many years. I have suffered much, but I know you have suffered too. While I cannot forget what happened, I assure you of my total forgiveness. Sometimes the hating just has to stop. It's at this point in the movie that Nagasi just breaks, and he cries, and he is releasing all of the guilt, the memories, the pain, all of this junk that he has been carrying Um, And kind of like the end of a Disney movie, the two become lifelong friends, and you get to see their pictures later in life. I will say, it's easy to watch this film and focus only on the British officer Lomax and the ability that he has to forgive. But the power in that final scene, the resolution only comes about Because Nagasi confesses and receives forgiveness. This is the power that we miss when we make forgiveness all about our ability to forgive. And that's all. Grace is experienced when we open ourselves up, when we lay broken and bare before God, and then come to fully understand what it means to hear those words I forgive you to believe that we can be made whole again, that we don't have to live that day anymore, whatever that day is for us. As one theologian says, confession, naming us as we are, well, it opens us up to God leading us toward what we yet might be. This is what the Pharisee in our gospel lesson was missing. If you read through it, his words imply that he was already where he needed to be, no more growing or learning to do. So he closed himself off to how God was still at work in his life and through his life to others. But this other man he comes broken, open, and ready to be anything and everything God would have him be. Confession releases the power of forgiveness that leads to transformation. This was the basis um, of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, another real-life story um, that these, this was put into place by President Mandela. He instituted this after apartheid ended. So during these trials, perpetrators of some of the most gruesome atrocities, well, they were given amnesty in exchange for full disclosure of the facts of the offense. In other words, they were given the space to confess, to name it, every horrible bit of it. And when they did... Instead of revenge and retribution, the new nation chose to tread the difficult path of forgiveness and reconciliation. Archbishop Desmond Tutu made this comment once about it. He said, We have been appalled at the depths of depravity revealed by the testimonies before the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Yes, we human beings have a remarkable capacity for evil. We have refined ways of being mean and nasty to one another. There have been genocides, holocaust, slavery, racism, wars, oppression, and injustice. But that, mercifully, is not the whole story about us. It was holding confession and forgiveness together that gave that country a way forward. We read together the words of Psalm 51. Now, tradition holds that King David wrote this psalm as an act of confession after he had messed up, and I mean really messed up. David lets it all out before God and is comforted by God's promise of forgiveness, reminding him that no sin is too great for God's grace. Most of the time, we use this psalm on Ash Wednesday as the season of Lent begins, and we enter that time of reflection, confession, and repentance. Now, the point of Lent, um, the point of confession in this practice of forgiveness, it isn't because we believe we are just all bad and that we are doomed to be bad, nor are we saying that we have to strive to be perfect to earn God's love. What we are saying is that we believe the practice of forgiveness for us as Christians is more than just letting go so that we don't hold on to anger and hate. That just makes it about us. No, the practice of forgiveness for us is about recognizing and experiencing the grace, forgiveness, and love that we ourselves have received so that we can be grace and forgiveness and love in the midst of a broken and hurting world. We are blessed to be a blessing. Hear the good news, we say. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As we move into a time of prayer, we'll begin with a time of confession, and there will be space for you um, to lift up the names of those that you hold heavy on your heart and mind this day. But let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. God of grace, no words can express the depth of our need or reveal the extent of our sin. But you know us completely, O God. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. You rescue us from evil, and you clothe us with love. Humbly we thank you, for no words can express our gratitude for the gift of your salvation. The news is so good that we can scarcely believe it ourselves. God does not hold our sin against us, but pours out abundant grace. And we give thanks. God of love, as we gather in this space today, we pray for the church in every place. That wherever people gather in your name, you enable us to listen to each other with open hearts. Give your people unity, O God. Replace pride with reconciliation. We thank you for this amazing earth, for rich soils, abundant sunshine, and all the foods that you have made for our health and enjoyment. Make us grateful for your gifts so that we protect what we have. Reassure us, O God, that you desire good for your world and all the people in it, and that your provisions are sufficient. Infuse us with a commitment to share with others, especially with those who do not have such riches and who today are hungry. We pray for the leaders of our nation, for our president and Congress. For the leaders who struggle with drought and famine, destructive storms and lack of food or shelter, for leaders of peace movements, and for those who do not know how to create just societies, for all who are suffering from the horrors of war, especially for children who do not know the reason for their pain and have no power to change their situations. We pray for soldiers, for dictators, for diplomats, and for those who pray each day for the welfare of others. We pray for those suffering from all forms of injustice, brokenness, or illness. And we pray especially for those concerns that we name now, either aloud or silently. God of eternity, we know that all days are redeemed and held in your grace. We remember with honor and gratitude all those whose lives have enriched ours, and especially those whose faith has given shape to our own. Keep alive within us the hope of the resurrection. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying... Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Those who trespass against us, live not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen before we move into our closing hymn, um, I'm going to invite the grants to come forward. Um, John and Brooke and Jack and Will are coming forward to officially join the church. Um, you may not know, um, Brooke actually grew up in this church, and then they have been, you know, as, as life takes you, various places. Um, John grew up at uh, Crossgates correct? I was about to say Brandon. That's not right, but it's in Brandon. Crossgate United Methodist. They've been members at Christ, but they'll be transferring their membership here. And I just have two questions for you. Do you wish to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, he does. Look how happy he is. Do you wish to be a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ? Will you make this your church family, allowing the people of this church to love and care for you as together we serve God with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? Well, they have professed their faith in Jesus Christ and their desire to be part of your church family. Will you welcome them, love them, encourage them, and will you be their church family? We will. Well, let's welcome them. And I'm going to let y'all come back up after the closing hymn and I hope you will come and greet them so you can go. Go have a seat. Our closing hymn is an insert um, found in your bulletin. Um, It's a, well, I think it's an older song. Maybe it's not for some of you, but I feel like this is an older song. But I love how um, it talks about, reminds us of the grace and love of Jesus Christ is what lifts us out um, of kind of the despair and gloom. It's a reminder that it is Jesus's forgiveness um, and grace and mercy that saves us. So I invite you to stand as we sing together, Love Lifted Me. I'm going to invite the grants to come back forward, come back up here. Did I say that right? It sounded different in my head. I don't know what's happening. Nothing to come back up. Um, And I want us all to join in the benediction together. You'll find it in your bulletin. And let us say these words one to another. And then I hope you come up and greet the grants. God surrounds you with love. Christ, forgive you your sin. Holy Spirit, fill you with eternal life. Let us go forth to love and serve our Lord. Thank you for joining us for worship. If you're looking for a safe place to explore faith, or if you'd just like to learn more about this community of faith, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to any member of our staff with prayer requests, needs, or questions, or just to find out how to join our church family. Now may the love of God surround you. May the love of God uplift you. May the love of God stand with you through the challenges ahead. May the love of God convince you in every situation to love. Go now to love others, even as Christ loves you. Amen.